Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to the latest edition of the Football Writers Podcast, featuring me, Mike Calvin, Adrian Clark, the tactical analyst, and Adi Oladipo, the journalist and broadcaster. In the final reckoning, football is a team game. A statement of the obvious, perhaps, but that's why Bayern Munich are European champions for the sixth time. Their team ethic and collective approach was too potent for PSG's collection of highly talented individuals. Now, of course, there's an irony in their billion-dollar project being blown up by Kingsley Coman, a graduate of their academy. But it doesn't hurt to go back to basics. The Bayern model is repeatable. They're not going anywhere, are they, Aid? No, no, they're very they're a solid football club built on, on strong foundations, aren't they, Bayern Munich? They've got themselves a, a head coach that's made a, just an unbelievable impact. And, you know, they can build on this and, and become an even better team next season, potentially. It surprises me that, that Thiago Alcantara will, will be allowed to leave Potentially, that that will be a blow for them. He'll he'll need replacing, but but yeah, the most rounded team in the competition. They're blessed with with great individuals, very modern tactical approach. It was too much, really. I I didn't think it was a one sided final. I thought PSG, for, particularly in the first half, made it an even affair. And and but for some brilliant goalkeeping from from Neuer, they could have won that game. PSG, their collection. Of, of individuals, as you put it. But, but yeah, Bayern Munich stayed calm. I think uh, Hansi Flick won, won the tactical battle in the second half, made better decisions with the changes that he made and and they and they deserve to be champions. And, and yeah, they'll, they'll take some stopping next, next season. But look, the Premier League will come back at them, I'm sure. That's why I like an optimist first thing in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, if you look at that side, Addy, you've got experience... You know, Neuer, Kimmich, Lewandowski, who I thought was actually, this is going to be a pub quiz question in the future. He was 32 last Friday and he was 30 when this season began, which is a bit of a weird one. But you've got all that experience and then you've got a crop of kids coming through. Yamal Musiala, England under-17 international, who they got from Chelsea's academy, German-born and Germany are now pushing for him to represent them. So you've got that cliche, haven't you? The experience, but also you know, the ambition of youth as well. Yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic mix. I mean, there's almost three different levels to that Bayern Munich team in terms of age. You're right, you've got the Lewandowskis and the Mullers and the Neuers who've been there, seen it and done it. And then you've got the guys just below them, Alcantara, who, again, like Aid said there, I'm shocked they're going to let leave because I think he just puts everything together. He's almost that glue and that string that his head's on a, a swivel. It's fantastic the way he plays. And then you've got the younger guys coming through again, the Gnabrys, the Alfonso Davis is what, only 18 and he looks unbelievable. Wasn't his best game yesterday? And, and that's part of the final that I missed. I really wanted to see him versus Mbappe, but we didn't get to see that. Then you've got Leroy Sane. Let's not forget, they've just signed him as well from City and I think he's fantastic. So it's a great crop of youthful players, experienced players, and guys maybe coming to the end. I think Neuer, who, let's not forget, for the past sort of decade, maybe two years sort of removed, was probably the best goalkeeper in the world. That's been overtaken now, but I think he kind of rolled the years back and showed everyone why he was was considered that that next Oliver Kahn-type kind of goalkeeper. Peter Schmeichel, very big, very dominating. I think that save from Neymar early on in the game really set the tone 
He looked fantastic. I think Thomas Muller is probably the most underrated footballer in the existence of football. I think we, we just don't rate him. He's not fast enough. He's not skillful enough, but he seems to always do something. I think Bayern Munich are a great team and I just love what they do. I think I saw um, a quote yesterday that PSG starting 11 cost 540 million and Bayern Munich's are 97 million. And it shows you can do it the right way. Look, they still spend a lot of money on on uh, wages and salaries, but in terms of how they build their teams, you almost feel like it, it's been done the right way. And in the end, I think, like what Aid said there, it was a game of missed chances, I think, for PSG. Di Maria had a chance. Mbappe has to score, I think, and it's a different game. But in the end, I think, if you look at the tournament as a whole, I think Bayern Munich deserved to win. Let's not forget they absolutely battered Spurs battered Chelsea, so they've really been doing an English, a job in our English Premier League teams and obviously battered Barcelona as well. So I think they, they're deserving winners. Absolutely. You know, the money involved, If we, you know, lest we forget, PSG, funnily enough, get more money for being in the final. They're going to get 134 million euros for what they've done in the Champions League this season. Bayern, 4 million euros, less for some bizarre reason. So it is a money game. I just thought there was a wonderful irony about last night, Aid. You know, we've spoken about Thiago and the likelihood, if he goes to Liverpool, basically he's going to keep Pep Guardiola up at night, isn't he? Because (laughs) he'd be perfect for them. And equally, you've got the irony of Liverpool getting a £5 million bonus last night for Coutinho winning the the cup. (laughs) That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, uh, Yeah, it's all a bit... Roundabouts, swings and roundabouts, I guess. But yeah, look, the, the money to PSG uh, is is kind of inconsequential. That it's not, it's, you know, not, they're not in it for the prize money. They were in it for for the glory, weren't they? But yeah, no, Thiago. I mean, to Liverpool, wow. I mean, he would he would immediately make them red hot favourites to defend their crown. I, I don't know why Manchester City wouldn't be be in for him alongside Liverpool. I. I Rodri has done well, but I think that Thiago is, is a player that's on a higher plane than Rodri, personally. So, so yeah, I'd be surprised if Man City didn't try and compete for his signature. But, yeah, no, it's going it's to be interesting to see, to see how PSG react as well. What will they do with Thomas Tuchel, who who I impressed me, really, en route to the final. I thought I thought he did a very good job tactically. They were, they were better than I envisaged. And, and over the course of this season, they have been excellent uh, defensively. I thought that they negated Bayern for much of that game smartly. It was just his decisions with the subs in the second half. I, I thought that he completely sort of imbalanced his team and it knocked them out of their rhythm, particularly going forward. And the longer the game got on, the, the worse PSG were for me. So, so Will Tuchel paid a price for that, I, I wonder. Personally, I think he's a good manager, worth persisting with, but, but let's see. Yeah, I suppose the, the temptation for PSG is just to throw money at the problem, you know, to continue to do so. I thought it was quite interesting that, you know, Des Kelly on BT Sport, who's, you know, a good old pro, got the Lionel Messi question in, didn't you? Are you going to buy him? <laughs> um, you know, they've spent £700 million on assembling that squad. And it was ironic that Coman was the scorer of the goal, a former academy graduate, They've let a lot of good players go, haven't they? Like people like Moussa Dembele, uh, Adrian Rabiot. They had to sell six youth players last summer to stay within financial fair play boundaries. So I suppose the question... Hang on, what, really... are, they, what are they? Financial fair play boundaries? I didn't, yeah, I didn't what's know that, that again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actually made of magic dust. It disappears oh, quite regularly. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, but when you think of it, you know, this poses problems about the whole model, doesn't it, Addy? It's an interesting one, though. It isn't just PSG. I mean, you look at the Chelsea model and you look at Kevin De Bruyne leaving and Salah leaving and Lukaku and look what they've all gone on to do. Uh, and these are players that Chelsea had at a young age as well. So PSG definitely aren't in their own lane doing this type of thing. I think a lot of teams seem to do it. The interesting thing about PSG spending nearly, what, 1.1 billion euros in seven seasons or eight seasons is that I thought they looked a bit thin yesterday on the bench, which is incredible when you think about how much money they've spent. I thought, as Aid said there, I thought the substitutions just didn't work. I thought Draxler for Herrera was an awful decision. But again, when a team spends that much money, I'm expecting superstars off the bench. Almost like what we see with Man City when Mares comes off the bench. You're like, OK, here's another superstar. He's going to do something. And PSG, for all the money they've spent, didn't have that. 
I think they made a mistake not giving Cavani an extra three or four months. I know it's easy to say in hindsight because he wasn't having the best of seasons, but I was watching them yesterday up, up front and it was almost, if it wasn't going to be a, a special trick by Mbappe, Neymar, Di Maria, what were they going to do? And I think Cavani, just some a big, strong lump, almost go the Wimbledon route and just kick it up to him sometimes rather than having to try and go through the midfield all the time. But again, I, I'm... I'm thinking that this team might get disassembled. I, I kind of feel like it's reached its its peak a little bit. I know it sounds stupid because they got to a final, but I mean, their route there was a lot easier. And seeing Neymar cry at the end there, we know Thiago probably is going to leave to Chelsea. I wonder if a few pieces will start, start to go and they might have to start building again. And if they do, I, I don't know if Thomas Tuchel will be the man to do it. Yeah, mentioning Neymar's tears, it sort of gets me looking for the world's smallest violin. Really, you know, if, <laughs> if you think if you think about it, um, you know, I've I've had an aversion to, to to that. I understand the disappointment involved, and it's obviously huge. But I just look at the those tears, and funny enough, you know, go right back to nineteen ninety and Gaza's tears. Are those tears almost shed through self pity? And you know, do you agree with that, Aid? Um. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I think. You know, when you were it, a player, did you ever, have you ever cried after a game? Be honest, Be honest. No, no, no I, I didn't. It's not that I didn't care. I felt gutted. I lost a cup final and was sort of, yeah, I remember sort of slumping to the floor and just sitting there thinking, you know, feeling a bit sad. But no, I didn't, I didn't cry or anything like that. I think, yeah, Brand Neymar might have taken a hit. Maybe that was the, the issue for him last night. I mean, it was a, it's a bit of a no-show, wasn't it, from Neymar? I didn't didn't really feel he, he, he shone like he, he should have done. He was brought in, of course, for, for games like that. I rate him. I, there's, a, there's a lot to like about Neymar as a as a player, but, but yeah, he didn't he didn't deliver. I didn't think last night, and and that one chance in the one v one, even though it's a brilliant save from Neuer, I think you're expecting something a bit more special from a player of his talent. You know the little dink maybe over the keeper, just a little faint at the key moment to th- to throw to throw the keeper off scent. I just thought, yeah, he tightened up, and that's been a theme across actually the the last few games over there in Portugal in the big moments. Neymar tightened up, so yeah, I think his his brand might have taken a bit bit of a knock over the last uh, week or two. Mm, yeah, both finalists were in the top six for wages and income. But I suppose, do you think, Addy, that there's a move away from those sort of traditional powerhouses, you know, thinking of, you know, Barcelona, Real Madrid, Juventus? You obviously need to have a lot of money to compete at the absolute highest level. Mm. But do you also need to be smart? You know, Bayern are smart. Dortmund, Atalanta, Lyon, they're smartly run football clubs. Are we seeing a bit of a change? No, I don't think so. And I'd love to to agree and say yes but I think those three or four names you reeled off there Juventus, Barca and Real Madrid come start of next season they'll be up there when the bookies bring out their favourites to win it they'll, they'll they'll be up there again just because they can spend big and it's worked for Real Madrid we, we've seen that in the last sort of six or seven seasons how they kind of really dominated the Champions League it's worked for them Juventus will spend big again and Barcelona obviously they're on this real rebuild job but they're not that far away. I know they got embarrassed by Bayern Munich, but it's still Barcelona. You still expect them to attract the right players. And they will chuck money at it. We saw them. They've chucked money at it with Dombele and uh, Coutinho and Griezmann, and they'll continue to do it again. I think if Atalanta squeezed past PSG, and they should have, then that's a real fairy tale story. And that tells me, okay, you can see changes there because what Gasparini's done with Atalanta has been phenomenal. I mean, I just like the steady progression as well in terms of Europa League qualification, then Champions League qualification, and then being so close to beating PSG. And they don't spend money. I mean, Luis Muriel came in from, what, 18 million from Sevilla. That's the motto I like. But the big boys will come hunting again. And those clubs eventually, unfortunately, are selling clubs and they will sell their best players like we've seen. And I think it will still be dominated by the big boys. I expect United to come big again. Chelsea look like they're going to go crazy in this transfer window. They'll spend big. 
And I think you might get one or two of the smaller clubs coming through, but eventually it still will be the, the traditional big six or seven clubs. Yeah, step by step, isn't it? You look at the two yeah. best teams in the world at the moment, Liverpool and Bayern Munich. I, th- I would put Liverpool as, as, as on the same pedestal as Bayern Munich. They, sh- they should be there, really. Yeah. Um, and, and it's a step by step approach, isn't it? Bit by bit, they've, had, they've got familiar faces that have been there throughout the journey over the last few years, and they've just added the right players at the right times. I think what, what Barca and Real Madrid did, well, Real Madrid just sat on their team. They didn't really do it, do anything with it. And they've they've suddenly aged overnight and they've become very stale. With Barcelona, they just chucked loads of money at, at this talent, that talent, hoping for the best, when really they didn't need them. Didn't need Griezmann. They didn't need Dembele particularly. So I think it's been mismanagement on their part. And, and probably with Juve, I think it's natural that they're going to stagnate given how much they dominate domestically in Italy. Yeah, it just it probably needs that that breath of fresh air. Maybe Pirlo, Pirlo's the one, I don't know. But yeah, they'll come back, those clubs. But they need better management, the two Spanish giants from above, I think, for them to, to, to immediately bounce back. OK, what about um, some reflections on the relative failure of English teams, Addy? Is it cyclical or... You know, a consequence of this extended Premier League season. You know, should we be worried about the lack of impact at the in the final stages of of the Premier League representatives? I don't think so. I think I think Man City are probably the ones that you think are disappointing. I think Liverpool are unlucky. I think let's not let's not forget if it wasn't for an Adrian mistake, they go through against Atletico Madrid, and they've done well, right? Back to back finals. I think Chelsea's gone under the radar a bit. They got absolutely spanked by uh, Bayern Munich, and I think everyone, no one talks about it just because it's Lampard's first season. Chelsea are a good team, and they spent a lot of money on that team, but they got absolutely destroyed by Bayern Munich. So um, I think it's cyclical. I think it will come round again. I think. The Premier League have improved in the last couple of seasons. Let's not forget, it was a Liverpool-Tottenham final last season. The two seasons before that, Man City did get knocked out by sort of English team. So I think they will come again. I expect Liverpool and City to, to go deep into the competition next season just because of the managers they've got and the quality they've got. So I, I don't think we should be looking too big into the microscope about English football. I think um, it's just... It's just this season. I, I expect the big boys to come again next season. And if United can add maybe a number nine, I think United will go deep into the competition as well. So I think next season's an interesting one for English clubs. OK, what about Chelsea, Aid? You know, they're, they're going to probably, lead, you know, as Addy said there, lead the way in the transfer market. It looks like Ben Chilwell's finally going to be done around about 50 million, something like that. Kai Havertz is probably going to be done this week. Well, it has to be done by the 28th. What I'm intrigued by is Thiago Silva. You know, played well last night, but he's 35, nearly 36. He wants to play for three or four more years. Is that too big a gamble to risk someone of his pedigree, but also his age in the modern Premier League? Um, well, Chelsea need to improve at the back, don't they? And, and I think he improves them. I genuinely do. Obviously, it will come with big, big wages. But you, with his experience, and I don't know what Thiago Silva's like as a character. I think he's he's meant to be a a natural leader. Then you know he could potentially help to improve those those younger, raw Chelsea defenders that that made too many mistakes last season. No, I think I think it would be a good pickup actually for them. I mean, it's going to be very competitive. I thought Chelsea had a pretty deep squad last year. I mean, with all if all of these players arrive then surely they're going to have to, to start letting a few go as well because it'd be tough for Lampard to keep keep as many players happy, I think, over the season ahead. But no, no, I wouldn't have any issue with Chelsea going for, for Thiago Silva. They need a centre-back. Why not go for someone that just played in the Champions League final and was definitely not out of place? Yeah, to add to that as well, I, think, I don't think there are 10 centre-backs in the world better than Thiago Silva. And I might even go less than that, actually. And I just feel like... I still, I'm still not confident with Rudiger, Tomori, Christian Sunkert, Zuma, whatever mix you want to do with that. But I think Thiago Silva with one of them just makes them stronger at the back. And again, you had Ben Chilwell there. I was actually getting concerned for Chelsea, thinking you're buying all this attacking talent, but you've not sorted out your defence. And now they look like they're sorting their defence. Chelsea seem like a little scary opposition. They, they really do. I mean, they've got so Need many players. Need a keeper, don't they? Need That's that the keeper. problem. 
I'm, I've seen Thiago Silva in goal a couple of times. They might be buying him to go in goal. <laughs> but um, I don't know. They look good. I think Thiago Silva only just adds experience. I mean, yes, he's 35, but watching him yesterday, you wouldn't know he was 35. I um, mean, he runs around and still moves around like a, a guy in his late 20s. So I think it's only a year. That's the deal. And I think they can take that risk. I think they really want Declan Rice. West Ham ain't budging yet. And I think maybe this is just almost a stopgap until they get Declan Rice. And maybe if Declan Rice uh, drops back uh, into centre-back, as everyone thinks he will do. OK. Let's take a look, if we could, at the, the Europa League and the lessons of that. You know, one of the things that I took away from the final was that Team identity or club identity is really important. You know, Sevilla prioritise the competition. They've incorporated it into their club culture. They've got, you know, Monchi, who's probably the best sporting director in the world. It obviously helps them to sell players on. It's a really good model. I'm looking at sort of what, you know, with respect, I'd call our second-tier Premier League clubs, you know, Wolves, Leicester, Everton, people like that. They're unlikely to have the resources to compete to win the Champions League, should they do a Sevilla and concentrate on the Europa League? Yeah, I think you're, you, you've hit onto something there, definitely. That Sevilla should be the inspiration for, for clubs like Leicester and Wolves. I think Everton, yes, they should be in that bracket, but, I mean, you, you've got to look with your eyes and, and, and they're miles away, or they have been for, for a few years now. You hope that Ancelotti... For their sake, we'll 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 get them up to the level of a, of a Leicester or Wolves, but they they weren't there last season. That's where they should aspire to. But you're right, yeah, smart management, yeah, a clear identity. You've got that. You've got that with Leicester under Rodgers. You've got that certainly at Wolves with 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 Nuno. Tactically smart, good coaches, focus on teamwork. Yes, you have to sell some of your best players every year, but. If your recruitment is spot on, you can fill those gaps without weakening yourselves ahead of the next campaign. Now, absolutely, uh, Sevilla should 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 be the shining light for for your Leicesters and for your Wolves, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. Okay, once you once you get to Sevilla's level, then you start to to look at how far can we go in the Champions League. But but yeah, one step at a time. Yeah, I suppose what I'm I'm looking at, uh, Addy, is is almost the perception that there's almost a superiority complex in English football. You know, mm-hmm. do we take the Europa League seriously enough? You know, the natural, natural temptations to view it as a bit of a handicap, too many games rather than the opportunity. And I suppose what I'm, I'm looking at here is, is, is whether or not we, we need to look at things in a much bigger picture. I, I'll give you an example. There was a lot of talk about uh, Jesus Navas being ex-Manchester City in inverted commas. Well, that's true to a point, but he spent 13 of his 17 years in Seville. <laughs> so, you know, we're a bit sneery about Syria. Ah, look at what Lukaku's done there. He's equaled Ronaldo's goal record. I suppose what I'm asking you, in a very, very long-winded way, so I apologise for that, but do, are we as good as we think we are? Do we need to learn from other people? It's, a, it's an interesting question. And sometimes I watch these European games, for example, the likes of Sevilla, for example, who are um, just outside sort of that top three, top four all the time in Spanish football, and they play bloody good football. And sometimes you look at those players that are maybe players that have been cast off. You think of the likes of Luke de Jong, right? Had that little fringe spell at Newcastle. People laughed at him, no goals in 12 games. And now look at him, two goals in the final against Sevilla, Lukaku, Casted out by Manchester United, not good enough. Breaks Ronaldo's goal-scoring record for Inter. We do look at ourselves as the big dogs. And sometimes we're not the big dogs at all. Back to taking the Europa League seriously. I think we'll start to take it seriously when the Europa League takes itself seriously. There's far too many games. I mean, you've got preliminary games, first round qualifying, second round qualifying, third round qualifying, playoff, and then group stages. It's ridiculous. And then you've got... Um, you know, you can be rubbish in the Champions League, fall out of that and then go into the Europa League. It, it makes no sense. I think it's always difficult for the Premier League teams as well with that Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday thing. The Premier League doesn't, it doesn't help and you're, you're playing in these obscure countries and then you're, you're having to travel back. It's, it's difficult. But I do think we take the Europa League seriously, almost like the Carabao Cup and the FA Cup. Once it gets to the, the latter stages and you can win it. I think once you get to the quarterfinal stage, I think we saw United, the teams get a bit stronger. You start to put out your best 11. 
you don't take it seriously up until then, where other countries seem to, and the players seem to take it seriously. The mentality of the fans is different. I think fans in Premier League really look at the Europa League as a second-rate trophy, whereas I think in Italy and in Spain, it's considered a big deal still. We just don't take it seriously. But again, I think if the Europa League just cleans itself up and cuts a lot of the mess away, I think people will take it seriously. Yeah, you mentioned Man United there. There was a lovely suggestion over the weekend. Antonio Conte, there was a suggestion that he would, quote, like, unquote, to manage Man United. Now, could you imagine the carnage he would wreak up there? Um, do you think we could ever see Conte back, you know, with his supposed wig as well? Do you, do you, do you, do you think we can see him coming back to the Premier League? Yeah, he's, he's a gun for hire, isn't he? He is a sh- sort of short, sharp shock manager. I don't think there are many better, actually, out there. I, I really rate Antonio Conte, but a little bit, I guess, like like Jose Mourinho, you, you can't see him lasting too long in one place. I think he's so intense, so mm. intense, that he just burns himself out and, and players as well can only handle so much of, of Antonio Conte. I think he could handle Man United, by the way. I don't think it would be an issue for him handling a club of, of that size. But but yeah, I mean, purely from a tactical point of view, I, the way he plays, loves a target man, doesn't he? At Chelsea, he had that, you know, he's, he's had that at Inter. It would be a backward step for the way United are trying to go, I think, in terms of their, their style of football. But, but no, I can see him back there. I'll tell you where Conte might be really useful. Spurs. Yeah, yeah. Spurs need they need a they need a short, sharp shock treatment, in my opinion. They need a bit of a re- reboot. And if they decide that that Jose isn't the right one to to light the fire under those players, Conte would. And I think that that over two years he would bring about a big improvement, and then it would all blow up probably, and he'd leave. But but yeah, I, I could see I could I could see that happening. Yeah, because it was interesting listening over the weekend to an interview with Slavon Bilic, where he was talking about the common denominator in in really successful managers, Klopp, Guardiola, Bielsa, and he put Conte in that bracket, Addy. The the phrase which stuck with me was that Conte actually feels physical pain in losing. Is that, mm. you know, does that give us an insight in what to, what it takes to actually be a successful manager these days? Yeah, I don't think we as fans realise the toll it takes on these managers. We know Guardiola had that, that exit after Bayern Munich for a year, went to New York and chilled out. Klopp has said, look, he's not doing anything after 2024. He wants to take a break as well. It does take a toll on you. I was looking at videos of Klopp when he came and he was fresh faced and young looking. I look at him now and we're only talking four and a half, five seasons later. He looks like he's aged 20 years. It he really speak, does. He speaks take... well of you, Addy, by the way. <laughs> 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 he's aged so much. So it's, it does take a lot out of you. And managers like Klopp and Conte, who are so, so, so energised on the touchline, and they, they kick the ball with you, don't they? They, they? they honestly do everything, almost like a young Mourinho who, who doesn't do his sprints down the touchline anymore, but that's what he used to do. I was thinking about Conte today, actually, and I'm thinking, is he in that top tier, like very top tier with Pep and Klopp and maybe Zidane and Simeone? Is he really in that bracket or is he in the bracket just below? And that's not a Brad bracket to be in, the one just below. He can definitely do a job. I don't think he gets as much credit for winning the titles in Italy with Juventus just because Juventus should win it, almost like a Celtic and Olympiacos. It's almost a failure if you don't. But I think what he'd done with Inter this season was good. Only one point behind Juventus, get into the Europa League semi-final. Even in his second season with Chelsea, when it was clearly falling apart, he won an FA Cup there. So he's definitely a good manager. I just feel like it's it's going to be a case of him going in, smashing something, and then leaving after two years because I don't think the players can take that intensity for four or five seasons. He pushes them so hard. I mean, you just have to look at Ashley Young. I mean, he just looks... He, and Ashley Young's got hair now. He's lean. <laughs> I've never seen him leaner. You yeah, know, and yeah. it, 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 you just know that those players are being pushed mm. on a daily basis. And, and, that, and that's a good thing. I mean, you talk about those great managers, Klopp, Guardiola, 
the intensity that they bring, they just demand so much mm. of, of the players. And look, that's that's what you want, I think, from from a manager, surely. Yeah, yeah. Let's go, let's go from actually, you know, into being in that final to, to just briefly look at, at Liverpool, you know, a club quite close to your heart, I'm, I gather, Addy. If we have that uh, the scenario of Klopp taking at least a year off from 2024 when his contract's complete, in that scenario, who goes in there I suppose, you know, what people will leap to the conclusion, oh, it's got to be Steven Gerrard. Well, what does Steven need to do to prove his candidature? It's a difficult question. I think Liverpool are praying to God that Klopp somehow extends again. No no one wants... You can't imagine Liverpool without Jurgen Klopp now, that energy. Uh, for Steven Gerrard, it's a difficult situation because unless he kind of breaks that Celtic rule over in, up in Scotland, sorry, then... You're going to wonder, is he good enough? And even if he does win a league title for Rangers or, or takes them deep into Europe, does he need to come to, to the Premier League or the Championship and, and do something there first? Look, in an ideal world, Steven Gerrard is the man. He's obviously a club great. He comes in and takes over. But I don't know. I don't know if he can fill the shoes that Jurgen Klopp will leave. And Jurgen Klopp, I think, will leave Liverpool with maybe another Premier League title, maybe an FA Cup. I expect him to leave with some more silverware. And those are massive shoes to fill. And I just don't know if you can jump from, and this is no disrespect to Scottish football, I don't know if you can jump from managing Rangers to coming down to Liverpool. This isn't Liverpool of six, seven seasons. This is Liverpool now. As Aid said there, this is Liverpool now who are the second best team in the world, maybe the first best team in the world. So I don't think you can take that jump. It's um, a special manager. And maybe even a Conte-like to fill it for two seasons, as maybe Steven Gerrard does get more more sort of um, miles under his clock, so to speak. I just don't think Gerrard can go from Rangers to Liverpool, not this Liverpool. What about at your club, um, Aid? Uh, Freddie Lombard's leaving Arsenal to pursue other opportunities. Not sure what they are. Is he a manager in the making? Well, he obviously thinks he's, he's a manager in the making. That's, that's what he's been quoted as saying. And look, I wish Freddie the best of luck. He's a, he's a lovely guy and very popular at Arsenal. But it, I think it's the right move for, for him. And for Arteta, actually, who, who hadn't sidelined Freddie, but but he was very much on the periphery, I think, of his staff, always up in the director's box, never on the bench. Freddie, if I'm being honest, and, and, and I assess his caretaker spell in charge, I, I wasn't particularly impressed. I, I didn't think that that he made the right changes. Some of his team selections were really head scratchers, if I'm being perfectly honest. So So that audition didn't go... Brilliantly, but but someone will give Freddie a chance. I think he, by all accounts, he is a good coach. So yeah, he might have to go overseas again. I think to to build up his CV. But look, look he goes with everyone's best wishes from Arsenal. That's for sure. But yeah, they've they've moved on from 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 him, I guess. And and it's all about Arteta, who's just strengthening. I think his position within the club. Uh, you know, on a on a weekly basis at the moment. Just one of the things that a manager has to be cognizant of is is the you know the big picture the disciplinary picture now you know we obviously can't get into the legal aspects of of the harry maguire case but Addy, when a player is involved in something like this can he be selected for england especially when you think about it that gareth southgate has played placed great store by collective responsibility well, there is a, a phrase i've heard before which says innocent to proven guilty yeah absolutely <laughs> um, so I guess until then we should almost almost accept that maybe he's done nothing wrong and be allowed to play. But I'm I'm one that thinks he shouldn't be selected until we know what's happened. Again, we're talking a captain of his club, a big player for England as well, a leader for England. And I think, look, you know what it is. As a fan, I just don't even want to see my player associated with that type of stuff. I don't even want him to be whether wrong or right. I don't want him to even be around that. And I think that's the biggest problem, especially for a club like Manchester United, have always been looked at as having no leaders in the last few seasons. They've now got one in Maguire, and that's the last thing they want from their their captain, their leader. But I, I don't think he should be picked for England until we know what happened. Look, it's difficult. He's never really had any off-field issues before. So this isn't like, you know, a story of someone that's been doing things time and time again. So I'd like to think that this is just a case of sort of why has it been crossed here? But... Until we know what's exactly happened, I don't think he should be picked for England. No, mm. yeah, I, I do. I think, I think, I, I agree with the innocent until proven guilty 
aspect of this, and and for that reason, I, I just get get him along and, and to concentrate on on playing the football. I just think it maybe inflames it by by taking him out, by because effectively you are suspending the player. It can, it can inflame it, but then of course, if you bring him into the squad, all the questions in the build up to Gareth Southgate will be about Maguire, and and he'll dominate the conversation. But it'll be it'll well, be a circus, yeah. won't it? Yeah, exactly. So so I could understand from that point of view why Southgate might want to just leave him out. But but personally, if if I'm if I'm Harry, I'd, I'd definitely want to play. Mm-hmm. Well, with this close season, I think we've got about. 10 minutes without football this week and then that's then then we're back into it again with you know international weeks after that do you expect Addy, the transfer speculation to sort of ramp up now and take and take over and fill the void now the champions league and the europa league are over yeah i think it's going to go crazy it's almost uh, like a domino effect you almost expect one big move to almost trigger all of the moves i thought that big move might have been jaden sancho and that's one that manchester united might revisit i don't know we'll see but um, Chelsea have gone crazy in their spending. I hope it stops as a Liverpool fan. I, can, can they stop, please? Um, I think Arsenal, I expect Arsenal to do a bit more business. I think William's a good signing. I think people, fans, maybe get too carried away with his age. I think since the start of Project Restart, I think he's been Chelsea's best player. I think his energy, his experience, I think Arsenal will need that. But look, Arsenal needs to sort out their defence as well. Someone told me the other day, it's almost like putting alloys on a Skoda in terms of what they've done with Willian. So I think they need to to, to look at that centre-back pairing and, and, and fix that up. I don't expect Liverpool to do much. I think Alcantara is probably going to be the only one if that does happen. I think they're a team already that looks like it's built. And I think Klopp likes to have a team that's kind of together for four or five years without making too many changes. But I do expect there to be a lot of, of signings lower down the table as well. Again, it's just going to take one big sign to trigger everything. And and then I think we can all expect to see a, a crazy bunch of transfers in the next sort of two to three weeks. Mm. Do you think the Barcelona fallout will have an impact, Aid? You know, is there any value in signing players 30 plus high wages? We've dismissed on, on this show, you know, the idea of PK, for instance, coming to the Premier League simply because we don't think he's got the physicality for it. But you've got people like Busquets, Rakitic, Olba, Suarez. You know, he's been talked about going to Man United. Does that add up? Do you expect to see some of these Barcelona refugees, if you like, coming over to the Premier League? Well, I think they're all good <laughs> enough to play in the Premier League. I mean, I wouldn't write off PK personally. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I get that. But he's better than a lot of centre-backs at, at the big clubs in this division, in my opinion. And... Yeah, I, I think you can get a bit sniffy about over thirties, really. Yeah, they come, they come. We all want to see the next big thing and and develop players, but but for the here and now, I mean, Busquets, Rakitic, and Alba. If if those are the three you're bringing in, and Pep, PK as well. I mean, they would all they would all enhance various teams. I think Rakitic in particular could be a smart smart pick up for somebody on the cheap in terms of of, of the fee because he's you know he's, he's he plays re- semi regularly for for Barcelona. For goodness' sake, you can't tell me he couldn't slot into into a top half Premier League team and, and make a big big difference. So so yeah, absolutely. I think that that what Barcelona do might might shape this particular transfer window. What I'm interested in is the price points because the the, the first big mover is what the price that's set for that. I think will will maybe be the one that that everything else is framed around because post COVID no one really knows what anyone's worth anymore. Do they? It's, it's like, well, how do you price up players? So, so I think it's going to be a fascinating couple of weeks actually in the, in the market. Mm, yes. You know, some talk Addy, about Wijnaldum going the other way from Liverpool to, to Barcelona. I can't get my head around that. Why would they do that? Oh, it's um, absolutely no idea. If I'm honest with you, um, I don't know if it comes down to wages with Wijnaldum. A contract has been, offered and it's been rejected numerous times. So I'm guessing it does come down to pounds and pence. Wijnaldum's such an important player for Liverpool in that engine room. I think, again, he's a player that maybe doesn't get spoke about as much. Fabinho has come and dominated and Henderson, obviously the player of the year, but Wijnaldum literally just links everything together. Um, so it's a shame if he does go. There is a lot of talk of him going out and Alcatara coming in. And I guess, look, you can't be upset with that, but you'd like to think the problem Liverpool had last season was depth. So I don't think it should be a case of one star leaving, one star coming. We need, if we want to compete with the likes of City and 
Bayern Munich in the Champions League. I think we need depth and I can't see how both don't come and play for Liverpool. But if you're Wijnaldo, maybe it's just a new challenge as well. Remember, Ronald Koeman's there now and Ronald Koeman does manage him for, for Holland. So they've obviously got a relationship and a good one. And he always speaks fondly about Ronald Koeman. So maybe he looks at the idea of playing with a, a Messi and who wouldn't want to play with a Messi and a Suarez as an opportunity. And I, I could see why he would want to do it. But for Liverpool's sake, I think it's important that they keep him. Yeah, you mentioned Manchester City there. What do you think's going on there in terms of their recruitment policy? There's some talk, actually, funny enough, that Semedo might come from Barcelona in a swap with Cancelo. You know, they've got a perfectly serviceable left-back in in Angelino, as far as I'm concerned. You know, what's going on there? (laughs) Well, they need to... Yeah, yeah. Um, actually... The way that they quickly got Ake and Fran Torres over the line, I, I quite like that. It was unfussy, kept it on the low down, brought in two two players on the on the up there. So so let's give them a bit of credit there. I think I think those those are okay acquisitions, well, or better than okay acquisitions. Um, yeah, I think they need a, they need a left back definitely, probably another centre half in my opinion, just to to bolster the ranks. I'm not sure about Angelino. I have to say, I know that. He improved under Nagelsmann at Leipzig. He was really good for them. and But from what I saw of him, he was excellent inside the final third. Good crosser, makes good decisions. But not, I'm not having Angelino as a defender. I, you know, I'm willing to have egg on my face in a year or two when, he, when he's named in the, in the world team of the year. Um, <laughs> but but look, I just don't think Angelino is up to it. And I don't think Zinchenko is up to it. And I don't think Mendy is up to it. As a defensive left back, they need they need they need a more solid player in that position, and and yeah, they're quite they don't need an overlapping marauding fullback. They just don't need one because they've got so much talent ahead of the play, haven't they? So so look, I would keep Mendy or Zinchenko, one or the other, as that option, that 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 wing back type. But but for me, a proper left back that that loves defending has to be top priority now. Uh, Angelino's not that guy, in my opinion. Mm. What about goalkeepers, Addy? You know, you, you mentioned earlier on Chelsea's need for, you know, anyone, you know, but the current incumbent at, uh, at in goal. Is there a goalkeeping premium in this window, do you think? You know, you've, you've got Dean Henderson already looking to sign a contract at Manchester United, you know, well in excess of £100,000 a week. Mm. Sheffield United have filled that gap by paying about £18 million for Aaron Ramsdale, who actually, you know, that was an expensive lack of faith, wasn't it, initially, because he, they, they, he left them. The goalkeeping situation is quite fluid in the Premier League, isn't it? It is, and it's um, it's it's... It seems to have only become that in the last sort of four or five seasons. There were there was a time when you could get a goalkeeper at a bargain price, not anymore. Goalkeepers are now as expensive, if not more expensive, than outfield players. Maybe because some of them, including you know, like Allison and Edison, actually can play outfield. So it's like almost like they play two <laughs> roles, the goalkeeper and the sweeper role. I feel like though, for a team to, to be good, you do, you do need a very, very good goalkeeper. I know that might sound obvious, like an obvious statement, but... I mean, I look at Liverpool with Karius and then I look at Liverpool now with Alisson and it's chalk and cheese. And a goalkeeper is so important. I think Henderson on 100,000 or rumoured to be over 100,000 a week is is unbelievable, if I'm honest with you. For a guy that I still feel like will be second choice if he does return back to United behind De Gea, that's an incredible amount of money. But goalkeepers are important. They they just are. And and, uh, I think we're learning that now. Do I think they're overpriced? I'm not part of a goalkeeper's union, but yes, I do. I think that the prices we're hearing for goalkeepers now, you think of what Kepa was and Allison were, it's ridiculous money. But I mean, I don't know. They are doing good jobs. I disagree I disagree a little bit. I think, I think a goalkeeper is the second most important player on the pitch. And I think that behind the striker. And I think that, look, what price Neuer in the Champions League final? I mean, yeah, the contribution yeah. he made, if they'd had Karius in goal for example, last <laughs> night by Munich, they, they'd be staring at a disastrous defeat to PSG and we'd be lauding the PSG model, maybe. Mm. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I just I just think that a, that, a, that a great goalkeeper, and there are one or two knocking around, Old Black is, is, is obviously the standout yeah. that might be available. I think he's, he's worth the same kind of money 
like 250 grand a week kind of money, 130 million pound transfer fee plus. I think he's worth that to Chelsea because stick Oblak in Chelsea's team and look at what else there is if, if they get Thiago Silva and you're thinking, wow, all of a sudden you got a title challenger. Yeah, I just... I think they've been undervalued. I guess guess that's what I'm saying. That I think goalies have been undervalued in previous years and maybe that's the, the balance is being redressed now. I don't know. Is that also because of a commercial value aspect? I mean, you don't see many goalkeeper shirt sales, do you? As opposed to <laughs> yeah. if you yeah. were to buy, you know, a top yeah, striker, yeah. a top midfielder. True. No one's walking around with Alisson or Oblak on the back of their shirts. <laughs> I wonder if that's part of the reason why we, or the clubs have, in years gone by have undervalued them, just in terms of from a commercial aspect. They don't bring much to the table. Yeah, what what about in that context, Joe Hart? You know, he's, funny enough, the last goalkeeper to keep a clean sheet before last night against PSG in the Champions League. What are the limits, the natural limits of his impact at Spurs? Is he just there for a bit of a bench warmer? I don't know. Well, it depends on injuries, doesn't it? Got a lot of goalies now, haven't they, Spurs? <laughs> I mean, um, Joe, I mean... You- you can't blame him for taking the move, but you do wonder, yeah, it's just going to be sitting sitting in the stands, isn't he? I, I personally, I, I mean, who is the number two? Larice is number one. Then you've got Gazaniga, haven't you, who, mm. who I think mm. is pretty good. And then Vorm, I'm not sure about Vorm. I think but, Vorm's left now, hasn't he? Yeah, he has, well, he has gone, yeah. Well, Vorm's yeah. gone, okay. So he's, he's filling the Vorm gap. So he's going to be third choice, uh, yeah. I, yeah, I personally don't understand it. If, no. if I'm Joe Hart, I mean, yeah. I think Joe Hart could start for a championship team. Yeah, so maybe it's the ego that makes Snobbery. him not want to fall yeah. out of yeah Premier League. But Joe Hart's good enough to go down to the championship and play uh, and play regularly for a couple of seasons. I think being third choice almost just ticks this um, this sort of homegrown quota for me, rather than anything else. I think it's a disappointing move. If I'm Joe Hart, I think it's disappointing. I think I want to play. And you're right. I think Gazaniga's better than him. So when is he going to play? A couple of Carabao Cup games, maybe? Uh, is that it? Given up on his career then, hasn't he, Joe Hart? Yeah, really? yeah he's pretty he's much here. waved he's... the white flag. Yeah, it's just it's just counting down counting down the days till he retires, just picking up picking up the money. You, you're right. If if he wanted to resurrect his career, he would have... He become first choice somewhere else yeah I I can only put it down to I don't want to go in the championship okay well I'm counting down to the end of this particular show we're in we're in that thought for the day spot at the moment Addy what would you like to get off your chest Neymar that that was my thought of the day and I was was watching that game yesterday and I, I was thinking in 20 years when I'm an old man sitting on the chair I was thinking how will Neymar be remembered will we look back and think this is one of the greats of this era or did we expect more? I remember Neymar coming through and I, I, I me- remember thinking, this is a guy that will compete with Messi and Ronaldo. Obviously, they went to ridiculous levels that we never expected in terms of their goal record. But Neymar's got 311 goals in 494 games. And I'm thinking, are we overrating him or underrating him? He's a confusing one for me. I just wonder, when it's all said and done, whether or not he has the biggest medals, whether or not he wins the Champions League again, are we going to look at Neymar as a great of this era, or is he going to just be known as a, a Denilson who used to do the, 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 the 100 stepovers before crossing? I just don't know. So Neymar's my thought of the day that I need to carry away and think, what's he going to be thought of in 10, 15 years? Mm, good shout, good shout. Eight. Players that back themselves as kids. Serge Gnabry, Arsene Wenger wanted him to stay. So what happened with him? He was brilliant as a teenager. He, he looked ready. Then he was out for a year when he when he was about 18, 19. He was out for a season. Came back, not quite, lacked a bit of sharpness. Wenger wanted him to stay, but wouldn't pick him because he was lacking a bit of sharpness. And uh, and Serge backed himself. He was like, no, I, I'm ready to play now. If you if you won't pick me, I'm going to go. And 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 we look look what's happened to him. Coman left PSG young. Paul Pogba backed himself back in the day. Knew he wasn't going to be a regular for Manchester United, went to Juventus, he's come back a superstar. Jaden Sancho, we saw that with him. I just feel that, that, that a lot of young players are out there stagnating and, and maybe these guys will, will act as an inspiration to those in, the, in that position right now where they're looking at the season ahead and they're thinking, oh, am I going to get a chance under this manager? Probably not. I just think players that back themselves... I've uh, got a lot of admiration for them because it's a risk. But for these guys, it's it's paid off handsomely. And you, you just wonder who's going to be next. Because J- if Jadon Sancho had stayed at City, 
we'd pretty, he'd probably be in that Phil Foden category now of getting the odd game here and there. We're talking about potential. He might not have an England cap to his name. He went out there and backed himself and he did it. So, yeah, who who's the next? Who, who are those kids at the moment that might just, just um, leave the comfort of where they are to go and, and make their name elsewhere? Mm, dare to do, I think, is Spurs... Um slogan isn't it really it is yeah right well you know i'm gonna make no apology for returning to the subject of club ownership it's not a dry financial or political issue it affects how clubs are run and how the game as a whole will evolve look at newcastle quite frankly that remains a mess you've got wannabe owners like sharks circling a piece of meat in the water Now we're led to believe that former Premier League chief executive Richard Scudamore has teamed up with Moneyball theorist Billy Bean. Red Bull Acquisition Corporation, their investment vehicle, is registered in the Cayman Islands and trades on the New York Stock Exchange. That makes the heart beat faster, doesn't it? You know, they've got about half a million, sorry, half a billion to spend on a Premier League club, which is their priority. Venture capitalism is reshaping football. You know, and in my view, it's about getting a foothold before the inevitable Super League takes shape. I hate it, to be honest. Football's about flesh and blood, hopes and dreams, rather than profit and loss. Agree? I hope you do. Thanks, as ever, for joining us here on the Football Writers Podcast. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Before Shopify, were you wondering where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com listen. Shopify.com listen.